Hello, everyone. This is the No Effort Human Podcast. I'm David Papa. No Effort and Human. We're going to be talking today about another verse in the Tao Te Ching, one of the most epic spiritual books ever written. Today, we're talking about the second verse. I'm going to read it to you, and we're, we're going to discuss what it means to us. And of course, as always, uh, bring me your comments, bring me your questions. Let's talk about this. Let's make this a living work in order to find out how to be the Tao in our lives, to apply the Tao in our lives, because that is what I am convinced helps us be a no-effort human, the kind of human where things seem to happen to that are great, the kind of human where we put our energy in the, in the place with the maximum amount of results and the least amount of effort, and that means we need to flow with life, flow with nature. So this is what I'm interested in figuring out. This is what I'm interested in studying, you know, surrender plus action. Somehow they go together. And I think they go together in the Tao. So let's read the second verse of the Tao together. Okay. Under heaven, all can see beauty as beauty only because there is ugliness. All can know good as good only because there is evil. Being and non-being produce each other. The difficult is born in the easy. Long is defined by short, the high by the low. Before and after go along with each other. So the sage lives openly with apparent duality and paradoxical unity. The sage can act without effort and teach without words. Nurturing things without possessing them, he works, but not for rewards. He competes, but not for results. When the work is done, it is forgotten. That is why it lasts forever. That's the second verse. In the translation, um, in the book by Dr. Wayne Dyer called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. This is a, the book I'm going through right now and the tr- with the Tao and translations that I like. And this is my first serious read of the Tao Te Ching. So this, is, uh, this book is a great guide to these verses. I recommend it if you want to check it out. So let's discuss what this means. This is, oh. Well, a fly just dove. I'm recording this outside and a fly just dove into my coffee cup. It's not actually coffee. It's hot chocolate and curcuma. Turmeric for those English speakers. And uh, this, uh, that was a surprise and a shock. And um, that fly is now dead. (laughs) It's the Tao. The Tao ended his life. Okay, let's continue with this. Um... I'm going to take a sip. I took the fly out. Now I'm going to take a sip. He died so immediately. Like, he was struggling for like two seconds, and then he was dead. You know, normally he can last longer in a liquid, but he just he just immediately was dead. When I pulled him out, he was just like totally not even moving. I thought I could save him. I acted quickly. I guess not. Dow strikes again. <laughs> All right, so... On this is a this second verse is all about duality. It's all about you know the nature of our physical world existence is duality. You know, there's light and there's darkness. There's the yin and the yang. 
and there is good and evil supposedly right good and bad the the point is is that in this physical world nothing exists independent of its opposite that's just the way this physical world works if you 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 know you and the Tao is telling us this in all can know good as good only because there is evil. If everything looked like what we call good, we would call that normal. We would just call that existence. We wouldn't even have a distinction that it was good versus bad. Same with beauty. Under heaven, all can see beauty as beauty only because there is ugliness. So something that is beautiful to you you only notice its beauty because you see other things that you think are not beautiful. So this duality is built into nature and it's built into our physical existence. It's built into how our bodies interpret the world. Our brain is constantly looking at things and finding separation. You know, with our senses, we are constantly looking at the world and find distinguishing separate objects from others, you know, and deciding that there is a space between me and the table or me and the other side of the room, even though that space is fully occupied, not only by air, but by a whole host of energies and quantum potentials that are completely filling that space. There's no such thing as empty space. Yet my brain tells me there's empty space because the air is so easy to move through based on my senses, based on the way the physical world is set up, that I am creating these separate objects. I don't see this continuity of everything as one, even though everything is one. And that's the paradox being explained to us here in the Tao. The sage lives openly with apparent duality and paradoxical unity. Apparent duality. That means that the duality appears to us. It appears to be real. It is apparent. And it's also saying that this is not real. You know, and when we can hold the paradox of the Tao, we understand that things are both separate and all one at the same time. Light, good, and evil are actually parts of the same thing. Light and dark are actually parts of the same thing. They're just different experiences on the spectrum. Everything is just different experiences on the spectrum. There's the, you, at one side of the spectrum, you're experiencing something as light. On another side of the spectrum, particularly with the uh, absence of a certain type of energy, certain type of radiation that our eyes interpret as visual light, on that end of the spectrum, you experience no light. You experience darkness. But it's, it's not different it's, it's not different from light at the level of oneness. It's all one thing. It's just, what is your current experience in the moment? Where is your attention focused? Where is your awareness placed? Are you being, a, are you, where in the spectrums of duality are you positioned in this moment? Because that's what you're seeing. You're seeing the apparent duality. But the sage lives openly also with the paradoxical unity, which means the sage brings his awareness to the unity level and also lives at the level of unity, the level of seeing everything as one. And when you see everything as one, I think this is what the Tao is telling us. What happens next is the sage can act without effort and teach without words. Have you ever met somebody who is just teaching with their life, teaching with just by modeling their behavior? This is actually the number one way humans learn 
you know, when we're kids, this is how we're learning from our parents and the world and people around us. We're modeling their behavior. This is why so many of their habits we pick up. This is why so many of their beliefs we pick up. We're absorbing them, them like, like they're crazy models of how life works, like they're the ultimate model of how life works, and then we're reproducing that. And then many of us realize how, how inadequately that serves us for living the lives we want, and then we spend many, many of our adult years unpacking that <laughs> through things like emotional surrender or limiting belief work. But we've picked up these beliefs and these behaviors and models from, our, from them. So that's teaching without words. That's, this is a process that can happen automatically. And the sage can teach ultimate realities without words, can teach the way life really works without words by actually just modeling what it means to live openly in oneness. You know, I'm thinking of someone like Dalai Lama who's completely kind to everyone, you know, who, is, who sees everyone equally, treats everybody with equanimity, he has a smile for every single person he comes in contact with to the poorest, lowliest child or the highest, you know, or the most quote-unquote powerful political leader. Maybe you've had mentors in your life that just show you a way to be, you know, that really you appreciate and makes you feel activated. Well, the Tao is saying that when we take this paradox paradoxical unity when we see the duality but also the paradoxical unity we're better positioned to teach with our with our way of being that our way of being becomes the teaching that other people are looking for that sounds good that sounds good to me <laughs> and particularly the sage can act without effort mm. what does that mean without effort you know this is a podcast about acting without effort does that mean you never try things no does that mean you never put energy towards something? No. It just means you're not pushing. It means you're not forcing. It's kind of like David Hawkins' book, most famous book, Power Versus Force. You know, in that book, he's, he's talking about a way, ways of being, ways of having consciousness, ways of seeing your life that you, where you realize you are connected to everything the source of all information. You're connected to source. And that source can come through you. And that source is in everything. And that source is powering everything. It's the source of oneness. It's the source of everything. It's in you and it's in everything else around you. And so that means it's constantly acting in you and around you. So when we're flowing with this source, when we're understanding, we're trying to understand and move with what the source, how the source is moving, it's like there's no effort required. All the energy is there already for us to do exactly what we need to do. So there's no striving and trying and struggling. All the action still happens. It just doesn't come with the struggle. You still create everything you want to create. It just doesn't come with the struggle. Now, of course, as humans, we're not all perfect sages, right? We're going to run into areas where we do struggle. We're going to run into areas where we get stuck. And that's just showing us where one of our limiting beliefs are. That's showing us where one of our emotional locks are. That's information for us to digest. Bring, that's information for the parts of ourselves that we've pushed away, that we need to bring back in alignment with ourselves. This, is, this work is called integration. 
and and what's actually happening is we're integrating the apparent separate parts of ourselves. We're integrating apparent dualities into a oneness. That's what we're doing when we're doing emotional healing. You know, integration and emotional healing, they're the same thing. So you you come against an obstacle, and that's because you've come against a wall in your own psyche. You've come you've come up against a part of yourself that thinks it can go no further. Because if you were to just look around, every every single obstacle, almost every single obstacle has been surmounted. All the obstacles you have in your life right now, they've been surmounted by someone somewhere. That means you can surmount them as well. You can move past them as well. If one human did it, all the humans can do it. Every single obstacle you are facing in your life right now, someone has been in already and gotten through. It's totally possible. So what the, the obstacle itself is not really your barrier. Your barrier is, is an obstacle in your own psyche. And the external world's obstacle is just a reflection of that obstacle in your own psyche. You've come up against a wall of yourself. And this wall divides your current self with the self that you really want to be. we got to bring this wall down. We bring this wall down by integrating the emotions that are contained in that wall. Integrating the hurts that have created that wall in our psyche changing the limiting beliefs that have created that wall in our psyche. And when we knock that up, when we knock that wall down, we realize that the obstacle we're being presented is actually an opportunity. That inside the problem we're facing is actually the solution. And this quote unquote obstacle isn't actually a problem. We don't have to actually struggle. There's a way to move with the energy of the obstacle to create what we really want, to create what we want next. It's a constant act of recreating. It's a constant act of redefining and imagining ourselves. So we create what we want next. And that, and then you've returned to the place of no effort. You've returned to the place of the flow with the universe. So that's how you get through an obstacle. Now, emotional integration techniques, there's lots of them out there. There's some authors I really highly recommend, like Darren Weissman, who wrote this book called a Heart, The Heart of the Matter, and Teal Swan, who wrote a book called The Completion Process. Teal Swan has lots of videos about emotional integration, and she has ones about how to heal the emotional body. She's a great teacher on this subject. And that is the fastest way through any obstacle. And the sage knows this because the sage sees everything as one. The sage lives openly with apparent duality and paradoxical unity. So in this apparent duality, you and the obstacle are separate. You know, you are here trying to get your stuff done and the obstacle out there in the world is something that's against you, something that's holding you back, something that's blocking you. It's, but... And that's the, the, the dual perspective. That's the separation perspective. That's the one thing versus another perspective. And the sage acknowledges that, that that's there, that that's one apparent version of reality. And also acknowledges that there's a paradoxical unity, that there's a oneness. That means you and the obstacle are actually one and the same, part of the same thing. And if the universe is just one big thing, what's governing whether we run into that obstacle or not? What governs that? is whether we are holding the energy inside of ourselves that matches that obstacle. That's why the obstacle has shown up for you. That's why it's actually a wall inside your psyche. 
It's a reflection of the wall inside your psyche. We know this because when we know that every obstacle is surmountable, what do we need to surmount it? What does it take to be the one who can surmount these obstacles we have in front of us and find the way through, find the solutions and opportunities that the universe is presenting us all the time? How do we find that way through? We find that way through by acknowledging the oneness and acknowledge we, by rising above the duality, by rising above the separation, by rising above the obstacle versus me. We rise above the duality into a place of oneness and we see that that obstacle is a reflection of me. That obstacle is me. There's a part of me that is a match for that obstacle. So I need to work on me on the inside. I need to heal the emotions that are, that are attached to this obstacle. I need to heal, find the part of me and accept and embrace the part of me that is a match for this obstacle. Right, let's look at an example. Like maybe you're trying to get more money. You know, maybe you're feeling... Like you don't have enough money. There's a part of you that is a, that's matching being poor. I've, I've found s- several parts of me that match being poor. And every time I've worked with one, my income has increased afterward. But you got to find this part first. You got to notice it. You got to bring it into your awareness. You see it. And you see it by taking the sage's perspective that there's a unity to everything. You see it by realizing that this part of you is, is actually, is you, that is there. And you notice that it's there by seeing this obstacle that's in your path of not having enough money, as an example. So there's this obstacle and you realize it is you. It's a reflection of you because we're all one. Everything is one. So you go inside to try to find the source of this reflection and you find maybe beliefs about money that your parents gave you or that society gave you about how getting money is hard, about how money is evil, about how money is bad. And you're trying to be good. You're trying to good, live a good life. But if you have these beliefs about working for money is bad or receiving money is bad, ooh, ooh, that's going to bring up this money obstacle for you. I mean, we, you know, the argument against this is, is like, well, no, I'm not, you know, money is separate from me. People are out there, have money, and, they, and they, I got to get it from them. You know, there's not enough money. That's a great, that's a great belief to have if you want to have a money obstacles in your life. You know, and so we have these, you know, we think that there's no way I'm, I'm creating this. I'm a victim, you know, at the mercy of all these forces that keep money from getting to me. Well, if, you know, that's the dual perspective. If you keep holding on to the dualistic perspective... The apparent duality, as this second verse says, of the universe, you will stay in victim mode. You won't be able to do anything about it. You'll be struggling and you'll be fighting in victim mode. And some people, even in duality mode, in victim mode, you know, they do put a lot of work in and they manage to collect money. You know, and they manage to collect masses of money. And how many of those people are happy? (laughs) Not so many. We know that from science. We know that from personal stories and accounts. We know that from lots of people that have gotten a lot of money in their career and then given up everything to go do something they really loved and wish they had done that from the beginning. We know that from the regrets of the dying. You know, people who have interviewed dying people, you can go find the top five regrets of the dying. And one of them is just, I wish I hadn't worked so much. (laughs) All those people were working, trying to get money. 
because they thought money get, lets them actually get to the happiness. But the sage knows that's not, that's not true. That's a dual perspective. That's coming from the apparent duality. We rise above that and we see that, you know what? It's, it's my own walls that I'm running into. It's not that life is against me. It's not that God is against me. It's not that money is against me. It doesn't, it's not that people are against me. My own walls, for some reason, not letting me see the way through, not letting me see the solution, not letting me see how money can start flowing to me in my life in a way that I'll actually enjoy, not through struggle. That's part of the key here, right? We're trying to get to without effort. We're trying to get to this part of the second verse, the sage can act without effort. So we work on the obstacles inside because those obstacles inside show us the opportunities in what we're facing. When we work on them, all of a sudden it clears, it opens, and we show the opportunity. So you go find the part of yourself that is attached to being poor because it thinks money is bad. You know, there are some benefits that you have right now in your life to being poor. You know, maybe benefits like you don't have to, you, you have a lot of excuses for not taking action. Maybe that lets you feel more relaxed on the inside, actually. You know, you have a lot of, uh, you don't have to step up in the world and you don't have to express yourself so boldly, you know. You don't have to claim that you deserve money. You know, you don't have to claim that you're worth it. Right? So you can just stay, you know, you can just stay not getting a lot of money. And that lets, that lets you not have to go through your beliefs about yourself. So that's actually, you know, from your subconscious perspective, that's a benefit because you don't have to challenge your own reality. Your subconscious doesn't want to challenge its reality. It sees that as dangerous. So if you have a reality inside of you about poverty, it's actually dangerous to be rich. So this is why in any action you take, your subconscious will kind of snap you back to, your, to what the reality you're holding inside is about money. So... You got to find those parts of yourself and there'll be emotions there. There'll be beliefs there. I gave you some authors that'll show you to work with emotions. Also on my website, davidpapa.live, you will find articles about how to work with your emotions. Techniques I've been doing for years, techniques I teach other people that work. And if you want to work with your beliefs, the number one tool I recommend is Byron Katie's The Work. And uh, you can just go to thework.com and find Byron Katie's work. It's all free. And it's a four-question process for going through any limiting belief. And it's beautiful and effective and, and seems like magic. But it will you will literally change the reality you're holding in your subconscious, which is gonna show which is gonna allow you to see all kinds of opportunities right in the in the middle of the obstacles you think you're in. And ways to move through them with less effort. So this is, this is the, this is, I think, the clue that Tao is giving us. You see the apparent duality, but we got to rise above that to the oneness. And when we see that it's oneness, we realize everything we need is inside ourselves. And to unlock all the obstacles in front of us, we need to do the work inside of ourselves. And then all of a sudden the obstacles become paths. All of a sudden the problems become solutions. And for me, you know, the more and more I work on my money beliefs and my emotions about money, uh, the more I get projects that are more and more lucrative. You know, I had to pay more in taxes last year than I've ever paid. (laughs) 
working for myself because I made the most last year, you know? So this stuff works. This stuff works because we're all one, because the sage lives openly, openly with paradoxical unity, with the unity. And if everything is one, the energy you're holding inside can absolutely affect the world around you. It does. And um, one way to test, you know, your money reality is just to sit and close your eyes and just imagine someone hands you a million dollar check, a check for a million dollars. Someone just hands it to you. What is your first subconscious reaction? What do you first do? Someone hands you that check. What's the first feeling inside? Is it a feeling of, oh my God, yes, this is going to be so awesome. I'm going to do this and this and this and build this and this and this. And I'm going to help this and this and this person and these and these and these people. And it's, this is so exciting and so fabulous and a, and a magical step in the direction that I want. You know, was that, is that your first reaction when someone hands you the check? Or is it more like, yee, ooh, uh, do I deserve it? What am I going to do with this? Do I deserve this? Oh, I'm not sure what to do with this. Um, don't know if I can take this. Uh, hmm. This is, this is going to be, oh, this is going to be a lot of work. I'm going to have to like make a lot of decisions. I'm probably going to have to pay a lot of taxes on this. Ooh, what I don't know about this check. I can't just take this check. Where's this money coming from? What are their intentions? Are they trying to get something from me? I can't, I'm, even if I take this, I'm probably going to lose this. <laughs> What's your initial reaction and thoughts? Someone hands you this check for a million, million dollars. Or maybe it's even more extreme. Maybe even your initial reaction is you're, you just imagine yourself kind of pushing it away. Maybe your hands are being held up, like kind of in resistance or kind of in like, ooh, don't bring this closer to me. That's, that's, a, that's a reaction I had in the beginning of examining my money stuff. I was actually pushing it away. Because <laughs> parts of me thought that, you know, getting money was going to expose me, expose me for to be a fraud. I can't take a lot of money. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. How am I even helping people? What am I even doing here? I can't take this money. And spiritual people don't, don't accept money. Spiritual people, you know, do it for free because they care. They want to change the world and they want to, they want to act and do things and, and for the benefit of everyone. They can't take people's money for the work they do. <laughs> and that's just not true. You know, in the society, the way it's set up, if I were to use, take more money and put it towards the advancement of the world I'm trying to see, the world I'm trying to help create and be a part of, there are absolutely magical things I could do with that. Even as I say that, I can feel a part of me that's, that is, that thinks it needs to hold the money for myself, you know, that thinks it needs that, oh, I need to hoard it. I need to save. I need to invest and build up my, you know, fortune and stuff. That, you know, and that part of me is actually a wall against money because it thinks money is scarce. It thinks I need to hoard it. It thinks I need to get it and collect it and catch it. That's effort. That's so much effort. That's struggle instead of letting it flow to me. One of the simplest emotional processing techniques that I've been using that really helps is to just pull, to just pull these feelings and thoughts through your heart. Pull them into your heart and with, a, with an in-breath. Breathe them into your heart. And feel them in your heart. And then on the out-breath, just breathe out love and compassion. Just breathe out love and compassion. Send love and compassion to these ideas, these beliefs, these thoughts. And do it with money. Just think of all the money in the world. Breathe it into your heart. You're going to feel things. You're going to feel good or bad emotions. 
you know, by that I mean just comfortable or uncomfortable emotions, not actually good or bad from a judgment perspective. I mean emotions that, that feel good or emotions that feel bad. You're going to pull them in to your heart and then just breathe out love and compassion to those parts of you that are holding those emotions, whatever, whatever they are. Just breathe out love and compassion and gratitude for those parts of you that you're seeing them, that they're being there, that they're speaking to you now. Just pull all the money in the world into your heart. And breathe out love and compassion. Love and compassion for money and for those parts of you that struggle with money. So many people. Just breathe out love and compassion for all those people, all the parts of us holding against money. Breathe in money into your heart. Whatever you feel, just breathe out love and compassion. This is a simple method developed by some uh, monk from... Uh, some Tibetan monk, I think, from like 1800. Uh, his name, I'll try to, maybe I'll post his name in the show notes, but uh, it's like Atisha, I think, Atisha. And he has a simple technique of pulling things through the heart. And, and you will be shocked if you do this regularly, if you do this every day, how much your, your heart can transform your emotions. Honestly, it's one of the easiest techniques I've found and I freaking love it. So I'm trying to give you some practical tips here to employ the second verse of the Tao, how to live like the sage in the, with apparent duality, but actually living in the unity so you can act without effort, so you can teach without words. Let's look at the end part. So you can nurture things without possessing them. Okay. This is interesting because everything that you think is yours, everything you would say is mine, it's not actually yours. You can't take it with you when you die. It's not yours. It's just here, part of experience, part of the earth. You don't own the house, okay? You're going to die soon. Someone else is going to own the house. It's not yours. It's the earth. It's people's. It's life's. You don't actually own anything. You don't own anything. Isn't that a relief? It feels such a re- like a relief. And I feel like this word possessing also means, you know, contr- is kind of like controlling. It's another, it's another thing that possess means. It's to like control something. So you're not... You're nurturing things without controlling them or thinking you own them. You're nurturing them, understanding they're part of the oneness that is life. And your human body is going to die someday. And, and, it's not, and you don't own it. It's not yours anymore. <laughs> it makes me think of, you know, I'm looking at my computer right now. You know, do I own this thing? I can't take it with me. Maybe in a few years, I'm going to start using a different computer. What's going to happen to this one? Who's going to get it? Am I going to be able to recycle it? Maybe give it to someone who needs a computer? What are all the parts going to go? Are they going to go into the trash? Somewhere back to the earth? The earth owns this computer, not me. I'm just using it temporarily. We don't own anything. We can nurture things without possessing them. And when we release that control, it flows with the Tao. It flows with the source and less effort. So the sage works, but not for rewards. He competes, but not for results. Yeah, this, is, this runs counter to almost everything we believe in the West, but I think this is actually one of the absolute keys to living a relaxed and fun life is that you work because you're compelled to, because it's coming through you, because it feels good to do that. You don't work for the reward. So many people spend years doing things they hate for some reward they, will, they think they will get at the end. Then they get the reward, they realize it wasn't what they actually thought, or they die before they even get the reward which happened to some parents of a good friend of mine. So, you know, how many times have you struggled really hard for something, gotten it, and then the, 
you know, the payoff, the benefit, the good feelings, what they last for like a week. And then you're trying to get the next thing (laughs) because when you work for the results, you're, you're working for something outside yourself and your good feelings, your effortlessness, your feeling of freedom that can only come from inside yourself. So you have to work for what feels freeing inside yourself. What feels freeing right now inside yourself. That's why I'm recording this podcast in a garden. It felt really good to just spend my time doing this, spend my precious lifetime doing this. On some level, this is Source speaking through me. Maybe no one will ever hear it. Do I regret spending this time? No. This time feels good to me. I'm feeling more free just doing this, and I'm going to pull that feeling through my heart right now. You don't have to only do negative feelings. I'm going to pull freedom and gratitude into my heart right now. Really hold it in my body. I'm going to breathe out thankfulness. Thank you. I get to do this. I get to do this. And I'm feeling free right now without any result having come. Maybe that's what the Tao is saying by this work lasts forever. That's why it lasts forever. To be honest, I don't really understand this last part. When the work is done, it is forgotten. That is why it lasts forever. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Maybe you do, though. Send me some comments. Send me some questions. Maybe you can... interpret that last phrase of the Tao for me and for other listeners out there and I'll put that in a future show you can uh, you can actually do that on the anchor.fm app you can you can listen to this on anchor.fm app and then you can actually leave me a recorded response and I can actually use your audio in a future show or you can just write to me you know or, or leave a comment on this post on David Papa Live that has this podcast and uh, I would love to feature your insight in a future show when the work is done it is forgotten that's why it lasts forever what does that mean help us interpret the Tao help us understand the Tao help us be the Tao so we can become no effort humans good luck everyone I hope you enjoy moving through your obstacles with emotional processing and taking this taking the sages perspective of the of unity even in the apparent duality big hugs much love Let's create that new world together. Until next time, this is David Papa.